something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Then give me those shoes, they're mine, give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, should you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jockstraps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch! It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! The devil wins sometimes. What's that? monsters welcome to screaming queens the horror podcast with the queer eye view i'm martin fennessy and i'm um, attempting to host tonight's episode um, and with me the whole gang all here i've got Woo! the gin soaked ink stained tv writer and podcast linchpin jonathan larkin with me say hello I'm- jonathan <laughs> I'm more of a lynch mob than a lynch pen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I have the immaculately contoured and shimmering Stephen Moore. Say hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> and we have our long-haired lover from Liverpool, the Samson of horror. Get away with those scissors. Jonathan Horner, say hello. Hello. Great, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so how is everyone we're actually recording this on halloween aren't we so what are, do people have halloween plans can we actually do anything i'm getting dressed up to sit in with the cat how are oh. you i'm doing full what are you dressed as? i don't i don't know what you say but i suppose it's post when oh <laughs> right yeah of course go on i will be the iconic cultural reset of britney spears oh um, wow yeah at the 2001 VMAs. Oh, wow, with the snake and stuff? Snake. I've got a teddy snake. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I had, like, loose plans to carve pumpkins today and then watch horror films tonight, and so far I've failed. I haven't carved any pumpkins. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, I, but I will stretch myself and watch horror films tonight. <laughs> I would stretch myself in the in the style of what happened in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> <That was> disgusting. <laughs> Jonathan Larkin's gonna stretch himself with some pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that video. Um I I think that the kids can't get into my building, so I don't think I'll have anyone knocking. Um I've I've got some of my dad's homemade side of there, so I'll probably just watch some films and drink that. My Halloween plans were to light some candles, get hideously drunk. And um, whenever trick or treaters call at the door, I was going to open, I was going to answer it, committing a very visible but minor act of self harm while screaming the word "treat" at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I thought you uh, you could do you could do what Charles Hortry Charles Hortry used to do when fans would knock at his house. He'd, he'd answer the door and say, "Suck my balls or fuck off." <laughs> I might end up on a list if I do that. Yeah, that's very true. At least if I just end up in the Roger Street's course for for scaring children, I can just put it down to the pressures of pandemic and the lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) 
Scream Queens is now is now supported by Horrified Mag. Horrified is the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction, and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Horrified Mag. Check them out. 31 years ago, age 19, Banana Rama had re-released Cruel Summer. I'd completely failed my first year at Polytechnic, which for you young ones was university on the cheap for um, high-functioning minor underachievers. <laughs> and my friends pushed me to come out and go to the pictures. Rave culture was burgeoning. Reagan and Thatcherite economics were about to go on the decline. And amongst all this, Hollywood snuck out the fun, obnoxious, subversive body horror society. With themes on class politics, the wealthy elite and teenage alienation, this film fell on fertile ground. In the era of Boris Johnson and hopefully the end of the Trump presidency, with 4chan and conspiracy theories abounding, does this film still stand the test of time? Or should you just relax and enjoy the slimy roller coaster? I guess you're about to find out. For Bill Whitney, I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's going to happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister. Could you zip me up, Billy? Is not what she seems. He thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves with me, you're gonna drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. <laughs> so why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? Is far worse than he could ever imagine. <laughs> If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know, Billy Boy? The rich have all sucked off low-class scum like you. Uh-oh, guy. Clarissa? Don't be so intense. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. You never were one of us. <laughs> You know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. I, I don't think so. Wait. Can't you see they're setting you up for something? You know how I hate to give you drugs. You're officially dead. Don't go home, Billy. No, 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 no. Bill Whitney is about to become one. Showtime, Billy. With society. <laughs> Who are you? Let me give you a hand, Bill. <laughs> In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. Anything for society. <laughs> so, we start the film with a vest clad teenage heartthrob, Billy Warlock. Oh my goodness. <laughs> playing yes. Bill Whitney, a high school student who lives with his high society parents and sister in Beverly Hills. He enters a dark house, hearing disembodied voices and laughter. He looks quite fearful and heads for the kitchen. Retrieving a knife, 
his heart racing, he wanders through the house and bumps into his mother at the bottom of the stairs. Suddenly we switch to Bill with a therapist, relaying his fears and nightmares of how there's something about to go wrong, something terrifying, and how his family just don't seem quite right. What's going on? Who, how will we know what's, what's to come? Well, we get a slimy glimpse, and then the film begins. That wormy apple. That wormy apple. Oh, God, yeah, he bites into an apple, doesn't he? In the therapy. Yeah. It embodies that sort of immaculate facade and yeah. something something untoward actually lying beneath. Yeah. It's one of those films that manages to be really heavy-handed, but, really, but it has real moments of subtlety to it as well. Um, yeah. Unlike the people in the film, there's no kind of pretense this film straight away at the beginning tells you this is what you're going to be in for. It's like, you know, it's just going to get more and it doesn't like let up. And I think it's quite nice to see it straight up at the top. It doesn't hang around. It doesn't belabor any of the points. It just gets on with, with the job in hand and, um, and keeps up the pace right, right to the very end. After he's seen his therapist, he's um, hanging out with his best mate, Milo. Um, Milo, yeah, oh, just Milo. He's so cute. I love him. He is very cute, oh. and his um, and his sister is his family disapprove of Milo, don't they? But he seems to have a good relationship with his sister. Um, it's very. Um, she's about to. She's about to come out. Not in the. Not in a. Not in a queer sense, but as a de- you know, a high society debutante. And she's preparing yeah. for that, isn't she? So um, you know this co- this coming out malarkey. Um, yeah. I th- I didn't know that was still like a thing in the late eighties. I think it's still a thing now, but it's not like oh, it? it's not like it was before. Like it's not like it was in the olden days where you were on the, sort of the marriage market because there wasn't any of the choice for high society girls. But it was literally it's the pick of the crop there to have as a wife, um, your virginal, supposedly virginal wife. So um, it is essentially saying, so coming out is essentially saying, here's our daughter, you may fuck her. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, it's just and so I guess clear. it meant more, I guess it meant more when there was, there wasn't those spe- expectations yeah. of girls going on to actually do anything. Right, yeah. Um, you were just, the purpose of you was to be farmed out as a wife to who to whoever. Whereas now it's maybe a bit more of a, I suppose that probably has elements of that, but it's more of just sort of a, a, a rite of passage into adulthood. We have Milo, we're introduced to his mum and dad, who are sort of quite dis- disapproving and sort of quite stiff and, and upper class. Um, his sister is sort of immaculately dressed, isn't she, with that sort of big bowed satin ball gown. So you you sort of know straight off don't you, that she's not getting dressed to go to the shops or anything. <laughs> she's oh, getting dressed okay. for something special. I think it is the, yes. the actual coming out party she's off to tonight, isn't it? And then um is this so is this the bit where Blanchard is hiding in the closet and you think she's sort of in danger? Oh yes. Yeah. Um and she chases after him half unsift, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. But it's all a bit strange. You start to get, you start to sort of get that sort of glimpse of a bit of a, a, a bit of an incest vibe, don't you? The parents are so fucking weird. They're very strange, and <laughs> they're, they're just a bit. Uh, 
don't know how to describe it. It's just a bit much that they're inappropriately close to her, aren't they? And you can you sort of get you sort of understand or get that real sense of why Bill feels very separate to them because he's you he's he's on the there's there's that trio there and he's definitely on the outside and he definitely his priorities are different, his tastes are different. Um, you get, you really get that sense of isolation. Well, this is what I was saying, like what I was saying before, how it's quite a in-your-face film, but it's it's also got subtleties to it. And I feel like that that just put that just sort of pinpoints what you were saying then about the parents. You can't quite put your finger on what it is that's weird and pervy about them at the start. There's just something in the way that they the physicality of them around the daughter. And the smiles that they give to her and stuff. There's just something really subtly gross yeah, about really, them at the it's, start. It's so unsettling. I just say I kinda of got the same vibe with um at the beginning I made me no note of why the brothers and sisters just always feel a little bit incestuous in films. And it's like, <laughs> um, this time it was actually intentional. <laughs> I think I think Steve, I think a lot of the time that comes down to the fact that they usually cast a really hot girl and a really hot lad and they usually fancy each other, the actors. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always <laughs> this chemistry between them. It's just always so awkward for me. And then it was nice this time that like, oh, it's part of the film. It's actually meant to be there. Yeah. Well, she does that thing, doesn't she? So in this first section, she does that thing that is usually reserved for people who are love interests. So she says, you know, will you zip up the back of my dress? How old was Billy Wallach when he made this film? <laughs> I think Billy looks about 20. Yeah, I think he was near 30. How <laughs> oh, was he? I don't know. Was he? In 1961 and this was 89. Oh, oh wow, yeah. Oh, God, so yeah, he was about 28, wasn't he? Well, that's very much of its time, isn't it? That you know, yeah. he's got... People that age playing teenagers, like in oh, um, no, like he made he, he looked at enough that I had to Google just to be safe before I thought it was a creep. <laughs> so Bill's a high school student, and he's there's some sort of debating society going on, isn't there? And he's sort of the he's um he's sort of the more relaxed side of the debate, the more popular populist mm-hmm. opinions, and then there's the the, the very straight-laced conservative, much more um, much more integrated into the high society um, echelons who's competing against him. But is this the point where Bill gets distracted by a pre-Sharon Stone, Sharon <laughs> Stone moment? Yes. Yeah. From yes. Um, Clarissa yes. Colin. Amazing. Cool. Clarissa, iconic, aspirational Clarissa. <laughs> she is, uh, yeah. If you're a high school girl, she is one of those American American film, television, high school girls you want to be. She is, yeah, totally. She's sort of a cross between Rizzo and Cha-Cha de Gregorio. Yeah, she is. That is, I got that straight away. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, so he's like trying to, isn't he running for president of the student body? And, something um, like that. And he's like, yeah. So they, they've sort of joked him that he gets the morons vote because yes. he's like the popular jock. Um, he's really good at basketball as well, isn't he, apparently? He has the shorts for it. He, he has, has the, the shorts, shorts for it and the legs for it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, that, it's a typical late 80s High school in America, isn't it, where they all look about 30 and they all drive cars 
Um, and what I mean, what I did like about this film is that you never, it's always left quite vague as to how old they're actually supposed to be. But in this film, he does actually say that he's almost 18. So you can actually say, right, these characters are 17. So the front row is filled with these, um, these very, obviously the elite of the school, isn't it? Um, so the mean girls and the, and, and though Bill is a, a sort of successful jock, there's like there's there's obviously a layer above the popular the popular jock grouping, um, so who who sort of seem to dominate the social structures of the school. So Billy has a girlfriend as well, doesn't he? Who is shorter. So they end up after this at the beach. Everybody's gone to everybody seems to have gone to the beach. Um, Shora and Bill are sunbathing. Um, and Shora raises the, the fact that popular boy um, Ted Ferguson is having a party and everyone is invited and they haven't been. And so she's pushing Bill to go over to the group and get yeah. an invite. He has to get that invite yeah. um, or they're nothing. Um, whilst they're sunbathing, some kid, a hand reaches in Grabs the sunshine lotion, and we we hit to a very unfortunate shot. Well, maybe very fortunate shot of Billy Warlock being hit in the face by some thick white fluid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to be suntan lotion. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine where where your mind went during the scene, Martin. No, my not at all. What about you, Stephen? No. Um, I just thought it was me getting too close to the screen. <laughs> You're a good aim. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Terry having to get out with the get out of the Mr. Muscle and, a, and the Jake. The girlfriend was like aspirations for me in this scene because she was just sat there looking gorgeous in a pink bikini with her hair all like bushied up and tied back, getting rubbed down by a hot man. Like, yeah, goals. Yeah, totally. Asking goals. She's great, and it's, it was. It does strange things to me with his hands just staying on her stomach. Again, mm. you're just putting suntan lotion on the one spot. Your hand needs to go somewhere, and it needs to. <laughs> <laughs> but she she is amazing. She just lies there expecting him to do everything. Yeah. Um, there's not a which, thing that she she's not going to lift a finger to do anything. She which is, that that is a very Stephen thing. That's such a Stephen thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> so the kids who've squirted them with suntan lotion, and poor Sean has got the suntan lotion in her hair, so he has to get pushed finally to go over and speak to Ted Ferguson, and he's chased after the kids and um, fallen over, and I think is this the point? Yeah, he's fallen over, and Ted's like laughed at him. And then he gets up and bumps into this garishly made up. The makeup reminds me of a little bird, actually. A certain little bird that we know. Oh, Um, right. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So it's Clarissa when he, yeah. So this is the bit when he runs into Clarissa's mum on the beach, isn't it? It is. And And she's she's like a huge gluttonous, (laughs) um, she's crazy. Sort of zombie like woman, isn't she? And she sort of spits out a bit of hair. Um, 
very very and it's and and then moves on it's just very odd bill looks at a, a bit nonplussed but it's like what's mm. the point of this scene but you, we don't you know who maybe she it is. comes a bit clearer later on yeah. but it's a very it, it it sets the tone for just how old this film totally um is <laughs> and how unsettling yeah. it can be at times <laughs> i think it meant to be at um one of the school kids and she was just like like an oaf she looks a similar age, doesn't she? <laughs> she probably is to some of those actors. Yeah. I mean, some of those some of those extras in the school scenes. I was saying to Ben, "Oh my god, how old is that, is that supposed to be?" The teacher, <laughs> yeah. So he goes over to the group and speaks to to Ted and um and Clarissa and the whole group to try and get a to try and get an, an invite. And they just take the piss out of them, don't they? And, yeah. and just sort of run circles round him, giving him giving him the impression he's never going to get an invite. They you. That's just never going to happen in a month of Sundays. But Ted sort of Ted makes a very what turns out to be a significant comment, doesn't he? he says, "Well, I'll send you a telegram," um, yeah, and then sends him on his way. Um. And then Bill bumps into his sister's ex-boyfriend, Blanchard, again, doesn't he? And Blanchard just sort of wants to take him to one side and it has, like, an urgent message for him. Um, And he's sort of acting very suspicious and and he discloses that he's bugged. (laughs) He's bugged Bill's family. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And plays Bill a recording from the booging, which is a conversation between his parents and his sister. And it becomes very clear that they, that they relate this, the coming out party is saying, well, you know, first you do it with somebody of your own age and you copulate with somebody of your own age. Um, and then you have your mother and me and then... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's his first explicit um, insight into this is really, really fucked up, and you know, and it's quite sort of forthright depiction of sort of an incestuous, incestuous relationship within the family, but also just offering her out as like uh, in a free for all of sexual, um, sexual depravity in some way. I remember my own coming out. I was so excited. Then you can do it with women as well as men. Of course. Uh, you know the schedule. First we dine, then copulation. With someone your own age first. Then with your mother and me. Then in comes the host. You'll be ready. Uh, you know, I could hardly keep a straight face when Bill apologized to me about not being able to make it tonight. <laughs> Don't be concerned about your brother, Jen. He's too busy with things in his own world to worry about our... Jen, Ted Ferguson is really cute for our first partner. Ted Ferguson? Ted Ferguson? Yeah, Jenny and Ferguson. That's just the beginning. Here, listen. Wow, your boobs look totally sexy. Guys are going to pop high ones the second they see you. I'm a little nervous, though. It's fine. Oh, relax, Jenny. Just go with it. It's so much fun to see how far you can stretch. Yeah, the hotter and wetter you get, the more you can do. It's great. <laughs> Welcome back, Jonathan, after the little technical glitch. Yeah, <laughs> Halloween. Halloween after all, there's some grand rules. I know. Ghost in the machine. Yeah. So, John, 
John, we're just up to the bit where um, where Blanchard plays build the tape of his family having a, having an incestuous orgy, nice. <laughs> and um, yeah, and the dad and the judge have found the bug in Jenny's earring, so they know they've been oh, recorded. I missed the aggressive camel toe as well. I missed that bit. Where was that? We're down on the beach, isn't it? His Come girlfriend's. On. It's just like it got like this hot pink bikini on. It's just right in the right in the camera. I'm just like. <laughs> we were all looking at Billy Warren. Oh, you, your attention was drawn somewhere else. See, this is why Jonathan's <laughs> contribution is so important because we would have missed that camel toe completely. <laughs> completely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Go on, Marty. So, yeah, John was just John was just saying about the um, about. The, the tape being played to Bill and um, overhearing the quotes of fun to see how far you can stretch. Oh, yeah. The hotter and wetter you get, the better. Yeah. <laughs> that classic, that is a classic quote. It's so, um, yeah. Incredible. So Billy's like really, really alarmed by this and grabs grabs the tape, doesn't he? Um, and goes to his therapist who seems to have sort of quite a deep, um, deep, deep trust with. Yeah. And he plays him, he wants to play in the tape. But the therapist questions whether he trusts him. And Billy still questions how he's how he's feeling and he attempts to play the um plays the tape. The therapist lectures him on the rules of society. Um but when he t- plays the tape, it's changed. It's come changed to a conversation rather than about copulation and people fucking each other. It's about dancing, isn't it? And yeah, doesn't he leave he leaves it with him overnight, doesn't he? And then comes back the next day and it's changed. They've wiped all the devious stuff out of the conversation, haven't they? So it's like it's like really clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Non not no incriminating incriminating speak at all. Yeah, it's like kind of similar but completely different at the same time. It's like a more convention what you would think would be a more conventional conversation to go with sort of a, a formal coming out ball or party isn't it i like it's around this bit where he breaks up with um Gellin with the moose knuckle bikini <laughs> sure <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. um but i love this breakup scene because i think again she's an idol to me she breaks up with him by stepping forward so that she can spin in his face and walk away. Like, <laughs> isn't it because you can't get an invite? She wants an invite to a party that you can't get, so that's why she splits up with him. I'm like, that's a bit, a bit shallow. They are only supposed to be 17, despite being 32, but yeah. <laughs> you sort of know, don't you? Um, with the with the with any conspiracy or invasion based horror, that you should never ever trust the therapist. He's going to be in on it. Yeah, he's going to know what's going on. No, absolutely. Yeah, and he's got a yeah. He's got wood. He's got wood paneling in his office. Not being funny. He's off <laughs> you. Um, That's a sick, sick man. <laughs> yes. He's more likely to be part of that Elise with the wood panelling in his office than being a sympathetic character to Bill. I agree. So Bill phones Blanchard and 
says he wants to get a copy of the tape. Now, at this point, I thought, how would there be a copy of the tape? But I suspended my disbelief and goes to meet him. And when he gets to the... when As he's driving, he comes across a car crash and realises it's Blanchard's car. Mm-hmm. And um, Blanchard is dead and the police are already there. There's, like, these two policemen who seem to show up at every point throughout the film, which I think is... Um, it's intentional. And um, Billy tries to retrieve the tape from the dead Blanchard's body. Yeah. As you do. But he's prevented from getting the copy by the police. I love um, what always makes me laugh in this scene is that you see the blood absolutely everywhere. The car is totaled yeah. and he's covered with the sheets, covered in blood, and he still says, Is he dead? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I, I love the over the top gore though. I think it just makes sense in this kind of like fever dream of a world. Oh, totally, yeah. And totally. Uh, I like when he starts rooting around the thing and he's like, you can't just wander around to an, um, an accident like this and start rooting around like a garage sale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a dead man everywhere and you haven't even cordoned it off. So maybe yeah. not first, mate. <laughs> so he returns home upset. Um, obviously, because his best mate's. Uh, well, it's, uh, Blanchard's being killed, not his best mate. And his family just aren't sympathetic at all, are they? Because the telegram has arrived. The telegram that Fred, Ted Ferguson alluded to earlier has arrived inviting Bill to the to his party. Ted Ferguson's um, pool party. And the family just can't pay attention to the fact that there's been a major accident and a poor year and a poor teenage lad has been killed hideously and they just want to they just want to talk about the party and him him getting invited to it they have to ask him what he's going to wear <laughs> they're like what are you <laughs> yeah what are you going to wear and he's like what's the funeral and they're like no it's a ted's party so he, do, he does get he does get ready with the funeral, doesn't he? But he does attend the party because it does seem to be on the same day in his yeah. in his sort of casual, his very casual eighties funeral gear. Yeah, when he gets totally. to the party, everybody's um, dressed very very formally. Yeah, and he sees Clarissa, um, and ends up dancing and talking to her, and they end up going off on their own, don't they? And they start to have sex, but then Clarissa just sort of seems to contort and yeah. stretch in every yeah. sort of a, every manage, imaginable direction, and he he gets really alarmed and jumps off the bed, but doesn't actually leave. No, and stays for round two. <laughs> he stays for round two. The, what, what, what I love, I mean, I love this scene. I, I love. Um, I love the fact that Bill is so stressed out. He's seen the dead body. He's heard that his family are, are having incestuous orgies with each other. But basically, the minute a hot girl comes his way, that all goes out the window. Yes. Because <laughs> he's a teenage lad. <laughs> I love that. Bearing and jeweled bra. I'd forget what I was doing as well. Yeah, no, it's very true, Stephen. It's very true. And I love... So this whole section makes me think of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Because uh-huh. um, it's got the pool party. It's got hot boys. It's got black satin bed sheets, which is the same as Grady's bed sheets in Nightmare Two. Um, 
And um, basically, this is the moment where um, so he he leaves the party and goes off with the girls to go and do something on their own. And, and the 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 sort of the sexuality that that virgins here opens up a big Pandora's box, and to say that's sort of similar to what happened in Night, Nightmare Two as well. Um, but I just love Clarissa completely takes control, and um, that bit where she pulls his jeans off just gave me a semi. <laughs> <laughs> So horny. She's <laughs> such. She is such a dumb top. She's just. A, like, she's just incredible. Fully though, it was like I was like watching, thinking this is this is quite actually um sexy for once, but then sexy. And then when she just lowered and showed just the top of his bum, ugh. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, perfect. But you know what's interesting though? So another parallel with Nightmare Two is that this film, the Scream Queen, is a boy. Um, yeah. and and the the moment where Clarissa pushes him onto the bed and pulls those jeans off, he's in a position that we only really usually see girls in in horror yeah. movies, mm-hmm. being undressed, being seduced, and being submissive and scared. And that's what I find so sexy about the scene. But also at the same time, it's it's really weird. It really stands out because you just don't see that that much even now in horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's in the girls' role um, as he should be. Just. <laughs> Just before that, um, he goes and sees the man, doesn't he? The Ted. Ted's VIP tent. And um, he just lying, which I just thinks great. He says, first, you know the schedule. First we dine, then I fucked you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody else got so turned on, they fucked it too. And as for Babel Breath Blanchard goes, I ran the low rent fool into a pole. Pretty busy week, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, they could have just dubbed it with your voice. <laughs> I want to know what happened to Blanchard. And I want to know what you did to my sister for coming out. You know the schedule. First, we dined. Then I fucked your sister. And then everybody else got so turned on, they fucked her too. And as far as big old Brett Blanchard goes, I ran that low rent fool right into a pole. That's a pretty busy week, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> it was great and then so but so and and also what i love here is that bill does all the right things he does all the things that you would do in this situation he just goes straight away and confronts people about stuff yeah i mean yeah he gets sidelined by hot girl but he, he, he just he goes and confronts the problem straight away instead of like doing stupid things um so you know i can appreciate that and he gets thrown into a pool as a result jonathan would you like to do um Sorry, John Larkin, would you like to do uh, Clarissa's line the next morning? How do you like your tea? <laughs> Cream, sugar, or should I pee in it? <laughs> <laughs> She's great. She's just brilliant. <laughs> and let's face it, the girl the girl literally bent over backwards to please him. She really does. <laughs> Jonathan. Yeah. Sorry, can I ask Jonathan Butler a question as a straight man? What yeah. would you do in that situation if, if a hot girl started like bending in all those strange ways and directions? In certain situations, you know, that's probably a good thing, you know, if he's a contortionist. You know, the certain <laughs> so, it's when really he leaves, Clarissa he goes back to his he goes back to his Jeep, doesn't he? Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention the Jeep. I mean, I know oh. it is Beverly Hills, but you know, it's like it's like place. What's the, the license town? plate? His license plate is hoops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because of basketball. Because of basketball. basketball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, oh, definitely because of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Not what we're thinking about. 
No, no. You sure there's no good union in there? Stretchy hoops. Stretchy hoops. So he goes back to his Jeep to find a blow-up doll with an action man stuffed in its mouth, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is like a, which is always like a, a, um, almost an allusion to what's happened the night before <laughs> between him and Clarissa, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so Sean has been staking him out, hasn't she? So she knows that he's spent the yeah. night with Clarissa. Funny. Oh, Sean. <laughs> so there's, there's quite a bit of that, isn't there? There's like this, the surreptitious sort of surveillance of people with yeah. Blanchard bug in the house and her yeah. Oh, yeah, being in the bushes with her best mate, watching what's going on and all, all <laughs> those things and peeping yeah. through windows and yeah. all of that sort of thing. And... See, that's Bill's Jeep. It is. I can't believe he would do this to me. Oh, come on, Shauna. It's better you find out now rather than later, right? Wrong. God, what a bitch that Clarissa Carlin is. Can you imagine what's going on? All right, all right. How do you like your tea? Cream? Sugar? Or do you want me to pee in it? Isn't this the bit where he walks in on his mum and dad's in bed with his sister and like the dad's giving her a massage and it's like 80s porn? With the rolling sexy underwear, aren't they? Well, the mum and the daughter are. Yeah. The dad. And it's like they are really inappropriately close and he's sort of, Bill's trying to confront them about the doll. Um, And they're just not having any of this. And they say something, they're trying to convince them not to be be so bothered and to sort of go to the party to. To sort of come to, um, come to the party and say you've so much to contribute to society. There's this illusion to society that you know isn't yeah. the usual. They don't mean the usual term, but it's not really quite clear what that what that is. I don't know what's going on here, but I don't appreciate it. Calm down, Bill. Some of us have to get to school on time. You know, you look really nice in a tie. Do you think so, Jim? Yes. Yes, he does. Knock it off here! Why? Why Why? why are you guys doing this to me, huh? Don't be so paranoid. Wait. I'm not paranoid. Don't be like that. Come on, Bill. Now, calm down. You know you'll make such a great contribution to society. You'll, you'll do our whole family proud. Me. Bill, don't be disrespectful to your mother. My mother. God knows where my mother is. I won't tolerate this language from you, young man. Fuck you, butthead. He calls. He tells us that to fuck you, butthead. Which is very important foreshadowing. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the the funeral of Blanchard, isn't he? Um, and he gets approached by Petri, who's been his competitor in the running for class president and in that sort of, of debating yeah. um, thing, and asks to meet him at Franklin Canyon, wanting to talk. Um, and it seems like 
it seems like he's thinking along similar lines or the same wavelength as Bill at this point. Um, but when Bill gets there, Petrie's car is there, but he's um, it, it looks like he's not, and he finds him dead, doesn't he? Hanging out of the hanging out of the car, and That's he hears so cool. somebody laughing. Yeah, and gives chase into the forest where he's knocked over by a man carrying a dress. Oh yeah, it's a sweater, isn't it? I don't know what this is. It a sweater? Oh, was it yeah. Petrie's sweater that he wears over his shoulder? I thought it was a dress, and I couldn't understand what the significance was. That Martin, makes more sense. Same old story. Whatever, whatever. There's doubt. You just see a fabulous dress. I do. <laughs> must be a dress. No. Must be a boy. <laughs> it must be a dress for me. <laughs> <laughs> that must be my ball gown. Yeah, it pops up again later. It pops up again later, so you know who's there doing it to him. Right. I like the bit at the funeral with um his friends goes, Oh, it looks a bit weird. I think they always look like that, and then he proceeds to poke the dead body. Just pokes him in the, oh. <laughs> and the face like cracks open. It cracks open which oh yeah. For plot. But who's ever been on a wake and forth? I wonder if it just poke it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a sort of message, isn't it? It's a it's a warning and a message about the film's the film's general theme is that don't poke at the veneer because what you find underneath might not be very nice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So he ends up at Clarissa's, doesn't he? Bill again. Somehow it just like he emerges from the forest and happens to be outside Clarissa's. Yeah. Um and, and fetches they fetches the police, and when they go back to to find the car and the and the um the body, the, the body's gone, and the police are frustrated and worn about wasting their wasting the time, doesn't he? And it's just very it, it you're just getting deeper and deeper into something. You're not quite sure what's going on, but yeah. Billy's being played, um, for sure. So he. Billy goes to goes to the school debate again, doesn't he? There's more campaigning for this class president debating thing, and appears alone on stage and announces Petrie's death to um, to the school and how Blanchard had warned about um, there being some secret society that kills to keep its existence secret. Um, and whilst he's doing this, his sister and Ted Ferguson and the crew are on the front row all smirking. And then Petrie actually arrives on, on stage, doesn't he? I saw Petrie last night in Franklin Canyon. Murdered. Martin Petrie is dead. Would someone like to tell me what's going on here? I had car trouble. <laughs> nice speech, Whitney. <laughs> Bill. Bill arrives at home and confronts his family again. His family are there with his therapist, Dr. Cleveland, aren't they? And they um and with his help they drug Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Um but Milo is outside. Um 
and follows along and Bill is taken to hospital. Yeah. And um, he wakes up in a hospital bed and he hears Blanchard crying out and just but and there's like a silhouette of something going on behind the hospital screen, isn't it, around his bed. But then when he goes behind there's nothing there's nothing there. Yeah. Um Don't we see his um, we see his medical um, chart, don't we, just before this? And it asks what it says, what he needs. It's got his doctor's name and then it says high enema on it. So presumably that's <laughs> <laughs> Well we all know we know what that is when we, well, yeah. when we get later on into the yeah. um <laughs> get later on into the party, don't we? Um, or shadowing some high enemas going on there. <laughs> very but yeah. Very hands on enemies. Very hands on. Bill leaves hospital, doesn't he, by a side entrance and bumps into um bumps into Milo and um he sees he sees Clarissa doesn't he who confronts her about what's going on. Um and she tries to persuade him not to go home, but he goes home um Anyway, and I'm sort of a bit surprised at that point where Clarissa was trying to persuade him not to go home, but obviously she knows what's in store for him. And it's interesting that like society yeah. isn't um society isn't quite the tightly knit at least that we think it is. Yeah. Um so he goes home to find a scene similar to where we came into the film. It's like a house in darkness. He seems to be on his own. There's like the odd disembodied voice. And he goes into the kitchen and gets the knife and goes to go upstairs thinking he's alone. Um, And the lights come on and he finds that effectively the whole town is there in the house. Yeah. Um, And he's restrained again around the neck with like a strange stick thing that you usually use for getting a rabid dog or a, <laughs> a dangerous animal, don't you? And like an alligator or something. <laughs> like an alligator, and he's put yeah. in cuffs. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of like what I imagine Ben and John get up to. When they <laughs> oh, this is child's play. <laughs> it's how they manage. It's how they manage the models for Ben's. So the group, the, the the group that are there, sort of are laughing and congratulating each other and sort of slapping each other on the back for um, for a successful hunt. So that it is like they have been circling him and hunting and hunting him down, um, and the therapist reveals. That basically that, that everything's been a show, it's all been a facade. Um and his parents revealed that yeah, that Billy's fears and suspicions are correct, that he isn't one of them, um, that he is a different species and a different different class. They talk it being really a matter of good breeding. And this is where we get taught we start to be introduced to the phrase shunting. Which I think is an actual phrase. I think it is what, like, I think it is how biologically they describe sort of worms mating because they sort of line up against each other and strange things happen with sort of protuberances. But I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. But if, we're never quite 
it's never quite defined what shunting is, but we end up having quite a clear idea without necessarily being able to <laughs> fully describe <laughs> what's going on, which isn't great for a podcast. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably impossible to describe the shunting scene. It's hard to sort of write down and describe what's going on in these scenes <laughs> from here on in. I, think, um, I love, I, I do, I, I love the build up to it. I love when the judge comes down the stairs and says, "I do love the smell of the hunt and the taste of the shunt." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do love the smell of the hunt and the taste. Of the shunt. <laughs> What's going on? You see, Bill, it's like this. There's no business like show business. <laughs> Where are you? I am not your mother. Jesus, Bill, you never were one of us. <laughs> Who are you? You almost understand, don't you, Bill? You're a different race from us, a different species, a different class. You're not one of us. You have to be born into society. Alien scum. <laughs> no. No, we're not from outer space or anything like that. We have been here as long as you have. It's a matter of good breeding. Really. Oh, uh, I like... go on, Stephen. Sorry, no, no, go on. I liked that um, that scene where it transitions from him trying to sneak up on his parents to it being all like. Everyone was already there and in on it and waiting for him, and it's like this real showmanship. And I think that it's just like a really cool scene of like this was all set up from the beginning, and you are our plaything that we've been playing with. Yeah, I didn't say it after that, but like I think that actually did a much better job of just showing us at first. Yeah, no, it's... yeah, I agree. So the party begin to undress, don't they? And um. It always reminded me the scene of sort of um, the film Scandal and yes. sort of that um, that sort of underbelly of the of the upper classes where it's actually you know, it it can be actually be quite sleazy and um, yeah. and sexualized and like you know, all sorts of things going on and they end up bringing in Blanchard who's still alive he hasn't actually died as he's brought in. Yeah. Um, and the party begins to feed on him. And this is where it becomes really hard to describe. But yeah. it's, the, it's the beginning of the transformation, isn't it? If, they, if they, these upper-class people into something that, that is completely inhuman, it's sort of a slimy... Um, oh, we forgot to mention this part actually earlier on, but it, it, it becomes sort of a slimy, slug-like mass, doesn't it? And... Uh, it's like just, a molten, molten writhing body of filth, isn't it? That and, flesh sort of, and, and flesh and flesh and, and yeah, yeah. The sort of, so the, sort of tubes emerge from strange places and all sorts yeah. of things, don't they? <laughs> and this is where we have the um, the hands-on experience of a fist being thrust up Blanchard's arms, and then it emerges in a very 
visceral bloody fashion from his mouth yeah. and the arm is obviously extended to very st- extended to a, a weird degree has gone from like an ordinary sized arm to something that must be about six feet seven feet long yeah um, so Billy I gets do, up I... and and, and <laughs> runs through the house and goes into one of the bedrooms he's trying he's being pursued by I think by the judge or, or by his therapist I can't remember which um, and he goes into a bedroom and finds um, his mum in bed and his mum is sort of She's very solicitous, and she's just like, "Oh, thank you for coming in." Like he's about to sort of make yeah. love to her, um, but she's very strangely. She appears very strange, doesn't she? In the bed, there's like these elongated arms, which are a bit like legs lying on the bed, and she decides to get out. And it, it's apparent that they are arms, they're legs, and she's just sort of this very strange, um, transformed to this very strange um, figure. And very suddenly, his sister's head pops out upside down between her legs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he finds his mum and sister are inside each other and they've like melted together. Yes. Well, that that I, head popping out of this Annie moment, genuinely aghast. Yeah, it's all it's awful. It's just so horrible. Um, during the orgy downstairs, I love the line when someone says to him, didn't you know, Billy Boyd, the rich have always sucked off low-class shit like you? Yes. <laughs> and I completely identify, because I've always thought that if I was born into aristocracy, I'd always be sucking off the stable boys. <laughs> <laughs> or the gardener. <laughs> or the gardener, or whoever. People have sucked off. Say that again. I thought you were going to say you're the low-class shit people have sucked off. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Basically, any of the male staff who are engaged in heavy physical labour. Yes, they would be sucked off, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's. And I always, I also think watching this, watching these scenes, is like, if you are someone who is a gay viewer and you're, you're, into kink and you like to watch kinky porn do you ever watch fisting videos the same after you've seen this film <laughs> you know i'm just saying hypothetically would you do you ever do you ever see fisting quite the same after you after you've watched this it film? Was certainly eye opening, i suppose <laughs> eye popping oh, yeah there isn't there isn't there isn't an orifice that isn't opened they're just 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 one big gloopy riding sticky massive full sorry there was like a a review that i read that said it was like he tried to mix the kinky sex with like impressive makeup and it didn't work and i was like i i don't agree with that yeah i think it works perfectly completely works exactly as it intended and very well it's so disturbing and you know it, it does sort of take things as well it takes things that are sexual and that you're used to seeing that are pleasurable and turns them into something very corrupt it literally turns them inside out you know what i mean it's just so disturbing so disturbing. i like that throughout it all no matter what's going on they're still pouring champagne into each other's mouths oh, oh yeah yes it what doesn't matter it is at this moment they're still getting champagne poured into it yeah so as Billy's trying to get out of the bedroom, he comes across his dad, doesn't he? His dad appears as an arse. <laughs> as a bush. <laughs> between two legs. 
Um, and he taunts him, doesn't he? To, he taunts him, saying, um, what is it? He says, do you want me to fuck off now, Butthead? And then farts from his like, mouth. I'm and then pretends to fart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turns out that the big fat woman is Shauna's mum, isn't he? And she's yeah. outside. Is she outside with Clarissa or... Um, with Milo. With Milo. Yeah, because he gets dressed up as the cop, doesn't he? Um, and she's just obsessed with his hair and she's vomited off a load. <laughs> she just That's what she seems to eat. How she's got so fat on hair, I don't know, but there must be a huge hairball inside of her. Um, it's just horrible. It is, see, just, it is really horrible. When you see it earlier, yeah, it's just a mess. she coughs up a hairball, doesn't she? So presumably that's yes. <laughs> where she's been. Around this bit, when he starts... Uh, fighting back, and you say, "Oh look, we have slave revolt." It's, it's an interesting, it's it's an interesting sort of connection to uh, to that thought around them sort of exploiting the lower classes or, or what they see as the lower classes, and how they see they see other people as being a function for them, as being food or slaves. Yeah, mm. that that bit actually reminded me of like the vampire trope. You know the way like vampires see humans just as kind of like beneath them and you know like slaves or things. yeah but that reminded me a little bit of that so th- at this point billy ends up back downstairs doesn't he and there's just like this huge well everybody's sort of there's this huge sort of back and alien orgy going on like then sort of cannibalism and just like it's just uh, it's just incredible um, well, it's every it's sort of every kind of debauchery you can think of rolled into yeah. one Writhing mass, isn't it? Basically, absolutely. It's like all of the piggish, brutish, uh, greediness of, of of the upper echelons of society is turned into some big alien writhing monster. It's like the parties sort of congealed and combined, yeah. combined into sort of one, sort of, sort of one gelatinous fleshy mass. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the only way to describe it, really, yeah. isn't it? So, totally. Clarissa obviously is trying to sort of is is trying to um, play her part, and Billy tries to sort of rescue her from yeah. um, the clutches of Ted and the rest of them, while Milo looks on. Yeah. Um, and Billy and Ted Ferguson begin to fight. Ted is sort of triumphant in terms of sort of thinking, "You, I'm going to be able to feed on you," and yeah, um, his face starts to contort into sort of some sort of. Well, it's just indescribable, really. Um, it's like it's a, a big. It, shun- sorry, go on. Yeah, it's like a big tubular thing feeding. It is snout. <laughs> he refers to it as the big shunt of the night, doesn't he? Yeah. Before they do that, they just look normal, and they're just wrestling around on the floor, being all sweaty. And I was just like, "Kiss." Kiss, kiss. Yeah, no, totally. I found <laughs> I, I found the fight between Ted and Bill to be uh, just like erotic because like Definitely. Ted's in his under Ted's in his underwear, and then um, you he know, did kiss. He did, like, he did kiss. Like, I was going to say, you got your wish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Technically, technically. And then I said, "Grab his dick, grab his dick," and then he fisted him. <laughs> he fisted him. Yeah. So you know, you know, what can what more can you ask for? <laughs> He fists him and then turns him inside out. Inside out. Oh. <laughs> oh. What more can you ask for? Oh. Oh. 
Honestly, I'd like someone to use me like a bowling ball as well. <laughs> well, yes, there's plenty. Yes, totally. There's plenty of people that look like Ted that I would like to turn into a bowling ball. So yeah, I can completely relate to this film. Um, it's just yeah. So it's like, and even then, he seems to be still alive and functioning, even though he's inside out. It's very strange. It's all very, um, it's all very strange. Um, so, oh. sorry, um, go on. As he gets like tested, it turns out that like at first he falls backwards and his like long snouty mouth like makes a noise and he kind of goes, oh, he sounds yeah. like a kazoo. Like, he sounds like what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why all of the that sort of big, strange, gelatinous masses just sort of writhing and and I, I suppose it's sort of having sex and feeding and doing all of those things all of the same. Just it's just odd. While Bill escapes, um, while Milo and Clarissa sort of help him, and though Clarissa is part of that that strange alien set. She seems to have sort of fallen in love with Bill in some way. Sort of that's a, that's the ending of the film, isn't it, really, with that them escaping and leaving behind that huge, indescribable mess. Well, Dr. Cleveland, it looks as though I may have an opening in Washington next summer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What I quite liked about it was that the society just carries on. <laughs> yeah, they're not bothered. They're like, they've oh, lost well. the, yeah, they're not bothered that they've lost the hunts. They've got they've got shunting to keep them to occupied with. They've got yeah, and I mean it says a lot, doesn't it? It's like that that kind of high society upper echelons. Those those rich bastards. They're just like, well, nobody's ever going to believe him, and um, whoever he complains to, we're probably going to have um, some connections to them too. So they've got nothing to worry about. They've got that arrogance that they can just carry on doing what yeah. they're doing. Um, and a little low life like Billy isn't going to make any difference to it. Mm-hmm. Stephen's already alluded that this film sort of um, was sort of quite disapproved of in a lot of ways in its time, certainly in America and in Hollywood, mm, to the extent yeah. that it had, you know, it got a full release at the time. It was in '89 in Europe and was sort of relatively well received there. But Hollywood was almost ashamed of the film and it didn't get released properly in America for another. Um, for another three years. Like I think it's, a, it's 92, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it was 92 in America, but 89 over here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the that's almost the power of the film, in a way. Mm. That, you know, Hollywood is centred around Beverly Hills, or was centred around Beverly Hills. And um, it may be... It maybe it was maybe too on the nose for the Hollywood the, the Hollywood ex- executives to sort of feel comfortable with. Especially well, yeah, some of the things we know now around Hollywood exactly. and the exploitation of young people and yeah, um, all of those things. It's quite you. Know, it's quite interesting, um, and all of those effects were done by the incredible, fabulously named. Mad Screaming George. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, he did. Who I didn't um, 
Well, I didn't think I'd uh, done anything after this, but looking into looking into um, doing a bit of research for this film, we did quite a bit actually after this, and carried on working with the director. He did the um, um, he did the Roach Motel kill in um, Elm Street Four, I think. Oh, um, night. Nightmare Four, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's one of that's one of the that's one of the most grisly yeah. horror movie deaths brought, I've ever seen. Really yeah, wow. That'll be where I'd have seen the name. Um, uh, it's interesting to think Billy Warlock took this role on at the height of his sort of fame as well, because he was in Baywatch, wasn't he? He um, was in Baywatch. Oh, he went into Baywatch shortly after this. Straight after this, but then. Yeah. It's funny, it's interesting to see the career trajectory for Billy Warlock because, you know, you'd think that a film like this might be a good springboard, but really he just sort of stayed in television. It's almost yeah. like he probably couldn't really get much of a job off the back of this in, in mainstream Hollywood, you know? You always wonder whether it's a bit like... Um, a bit like the actresses who were in um, The Human Centipede. Yeah. That... You, it's almost a step too far for them to be sort of considered yeah. acceptable, even though you, despite what you, they've they've acted in, they've just acted in a film. They haven't created the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if there's a film like this, it, it's a bit out there. You're very unlikely to, if it's your first role, to carry on. Yeah, yeah. I think because um, yeah. Seasons going for something a bit off the wall, you might recover, but not someone new. Mm. Yeah. So we totally. did, Jonathan, you're probably Jonathan, but you're probably aware. Well, both Jonathan's probably aware of this. He sort of he the society the society director was involved in um, Reanimator, wasn't it? Sequels to Reanimator, wasn't he? Yeah. Of course, um, yeah. But also yeah. was involved in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes, he wrote it. <laughs> he wrote it. Quite a departure. Really, I shrunk the kids from everything else that he's been involved in. Um, so, and some other classics like Return of the Living Dead 3 and Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. Things with numbers in. Things with numbers in. Yeah. Five, six, and sevens. Yeah. yeah. But, and he made, <laughs> he made The Dentist and The Dentist 2. And, oh, yeah. I think he um, did a lot of work with Stuart Gordon. I think he produced a lot of Stuart Gordon stuff uh, from beyond yeah. and stuff like that. The lads who played Milo. Yeah. So he... Um, he looked really familiar. His name is Evan, yeah, Evan Richards. So he turned up in... There was a really obscure 90s thriller that I love called Mute Witness, which is set in Moscow. Mm. And it's about a girl who stumbles on people making a snuff movie. Wow. And um, it randomly stars Faye Ripley from Cold Feet. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yes and he's he, and alec guinness alec guinness has got a cameo role in it as well it's such a it's such a random fucked up film but it's great and yeah he that lads so uh milo was in that that's where i recognized him from but probably nobody else would recognize him from, from that. <laughs> yeah <probably not. laughs> um so what did people think of this film did you enjoy it yeah pretty much i thought it was great i thought i think it's really it's really ballsy um, it doesn't fuck about. It's got that perfect horror movie, ninety-five minute length, um, and it's got it has got something to say, hasn't it? And I think yeah. it is still, I think it is still pertinent now that we live in a society where those cunts, uh, you know, basically Republicans or Tories, they are still sucking off, sucking off the 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 <laughs> lower class shit, and using them for either food 
hunting or sex. Yeah. <laughs> Non-consensual like, sex, you know. That's, it's more, that's, it, that's more apparent now than it was then, actually. You yeah. think of the 80s, greed is good and money. And yeah. you, there was that sort of illusion of, it was sort of, it was just, you know, aspirational within reach of everybody. And I think, you yeah. know, now it's like the flip side of that and then the nightmares revealed. <laughs> Well, that's they, it. What, they have lots of contempt for us. Um, what's interesting is that uh, it's from it was made in eighty nine, and it was almost made five years too late. I always, I, you know, I feel like I feel like if it was made at the height of the eighties, Greek because eighty nine, um, I always go back to um, obviously being a homosexual and a soap opera writer. I always go back to Dynasty, yeah. um, and eighty nine was the year Dynasty died because yeah. nobody really wanted to see rich people being rich and being fabulous with big shoulder pads anymore you know people were the tides was starting to turn mm. and i feel like this film was almost a um a reflection of that in a way it was a criticism of the excesses of the 80s yeah but but i feel like it might have had a bigger impact if they to put it out at the height of all that yeah you know and i think it, it's it's that it's it's that um it's that sort of counter, I suppose, counterculture commentary on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you, it, it, it's almost a sort of a punk attitude to the whole thing in a way, isn't it? Or certainly, I agree. You, it just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't care how far it goes. Yeah, where it's actually, it's not about the excess, really. It's about making, it's about making the point. And um, I think I think um, I think it'd be interesting to see this film reevaluated on a bigger scale now because of social media and we're in a post Me Too post BLM world where the the lid's been lifted on this shit and we've all we've we're all peering into it you know we're all being hit by, hit by the stink that's coming from what's really going on and that's what this film is about so it'll be, I feel like. Please, 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 nobody remake it. But I feel like it could it could have a reevaluation now. I think it it hasn't aged a day to like make this. Is obviously, the first time I've seen it, and yeah. I just felt like everything still hit in the exact same way it was intended to hit. Yeah, even more so, and it was just it's a really good film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like that it does what it says on the tin from the beginning. Society. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it just does it, and it's good. Uh, I do think there's like one or two random things that don't make any sense to me, but in a surrealist fever dream, you can forgive that. But the hand, yeah, the hand head. Yes, there's all sorts of strange things, isn't there? And I think part of apparently the the. The whole point of that, about the whole production of those of those those surreal moments, were actually inspired by a, a Dali painting. Yeah. Ah, well, called, you can see that called the Great Masturbator. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And if you look at that, if you look at that picture, it makes complete it makes complete sense. It's just sort of a strain. the The image in that in that picture is it's a sort of a. Um, it looks almost exactly the same as the, <laughs> as the as the as the image at the end of the film. Oh wow! Okay, I'll check that out. No, because uh, I ended up on a um, Wikipedia deep dive of this because then I read that someone compared that that painting was a copy of another painting, and then the next second I was comparing like surrealist paintings to see which one. <laughs> 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 
that's quite a wormhole to go down. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, you can totally see that. Totally see that. Wow. So we definitely recommend it for people to to watch. And maybe you, uh, me, you, we're we're doing this on, like I said, we're we're recording this on Halloween. The presidential elections happening on Tuesday. Who knows what where we're, what roller coaster we're going to be taking on in the next few slimy days one. between <laughs> the the slimy one, the results yeah. of that election, entering lockdown yet again. Um, it might be too on the it might be too on the nose. Or it might just be the outlet for your frustration and anger with the the state of the world. I think watching this film. Oh, completely, completely. I feel like I feel like if you watched this in nineteen eighty nine, you would have been shocked and horrified and amused by it. Whereas now, I feel like you'd be like, "Oh, this is great escapism." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> distract me, distract me from the horrors of the real world. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's creepy and it's gloopy, but it's also very, very funny as yeah. well. It is very funny. It's, it's a great it's, comedy for all it's for all the um, for all the grotesqueness that's involved in it. It's actually it has a lightness of touch, doesn't it? That's it, that's quite that's fun. And for all of that commentary that we've t- sort of talked about and the, the exposure of the elite, it does it with its tongue firmly in cheek. Pun intended and not intended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know what? It's, that just made me think of that moment. There's a moment in it where someone's fingers sink into somebody's arse cheek. <laughs> like they literally go into the skin. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't mind getting to the beauty spot of the other guy as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A beauty spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely the most extreme fiston video I've seen in a while. <laughs> you plan to do it soon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. If I can find Billy Warlock. I wonder what he looks like now. I know. I, I, think, think, he's, I think he's aged quite well. Yeah. He probably won't have the same gorgeous hair as he had back then. What I didn't realise was that Billy Warlock has a really tiny role in Halloween 2 as well. He's oh, yeah. in... Uh, He's one of Bennett Tramer's friends in Halloween too. Mm-hmm. He's like in it for a split second, and I'm gonna watch. I'm actually watching that. That's one of our films for tonight. So I'll be looking. At, I'll be on the lookout for Billy Warlock. Oh, he still looks gorgeous. Oh yeah, he's lovely. What a roller coaster this podcast recording <laughs> It's been glitchy. It's been frustrating. Um, I just pray that all of these dropouts actually haven't affected the recording, and all of our feeds are still there. Um, but. Uh, if you've got this far listening to us and you've been annoyed by the issues that we've had, think of how annoying it's been for us. But we really, we still wanted to come together and put out some new content for, for you guys to listen to. And also for the four of us to get back together again, I've missed it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to do it again within the next fortnight if it kills us. Maybe we've it will. stuck it out. You need to stick it out, stick it out with us. Yeah. This is just a mirror of the whole pandemic <laughs> situation in 2020. You just need to hold on and stick it out. Actually, yeah, yeah it, it wasn't. It wasn't technical difficulties. It was a creative choice made by the team to reflect the frustrating times we live in. <laughs> <laughs> it's still been nice talking to everyone, though. No, it's been lovely. Brilliant. So I think we'll draw this episode to a close. Yeah. Um, so, John Larkin, where can we find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Johnny Larkin. Stephen Moore, where do we find you? HSTE99. And Jonathan Butler? Uh, at Cthulhu502 on Twitter. And Martin, where can we find you? I'll be with Billy Warlock getting me stomach rubbed on the beach. <laughs> From the inside. From the inside. Oh, gosh. And on that note, bye, boys. Bye. <laughs>